good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good morning, depending on where you're at. I want to welcome you back to the Charles Harris Ag Practice Ag Tech podcast series. Um, I'm Eric Spell, uh, lead our agribusiness practice within our firm, and we're fortunate today to have joining us Scott Porter, Managing Director of Food and Agribusiness and Ag Tech at Cascadia Capital. Scott, uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, could you provide an overview of your role and organization? Yeah, thank you, Eric, and thanks for having me on here. I appreciate being on. So just a, a, a quick background on my firm and myself. So Cascadia Capital, uh, we're a, an investment bank, uh, one of the larger independent investment banks in North America, covering a variety of subsectors and sectors within the U.S. economy. I specifically focus all of my time on agribusiness and ag tech. And what we do um, primarily is partner with owners and entrepreneurs and privately held companies to do three things. We help companies raise capital, both debt and equity capital. So that's one. Two is we help companies uh, through M&A events, mergers and acquisitions. So we help companies sell themselves, either a portion of their business or all of their business. On the flip side, we partner with companies to help them make acquisitions. So M&A advisory is number two. And number three, the third thing that we do is I put in the everything else bucket. We will make, on behalf of family office investors, direct investments into companies, and we help quite a bit uh, in terms of companies helping think through their strategic options and general financial advisory. So those are the three things, and I specifically lead our firm's efforts and focus within agribusiness and ag tech. Awesome. Scott, as technology continues to evolve, what notable advancements has your firm noted or noticed within the agricultural industry? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Eric. So there are two advancements in particular that I'll highlight. There are many advancements that we've seen recently in the ag tech industry, but two that I'll, I'll highlight today. Uh, one is uh, crop genetic technologies um, using things like CRISPR and other gene editing techniques. So a really good example of this, a company that we've spent time with called Pairwise, as an example. Pairwise, uh, what they've done is uh, created a number of products or are creating a number of products. One example is they create a salad blend out of mustard greens that provides up to double the amount of nutrition uh, compared to romaine lettuce while having a great taste. And they did that through gene editing. They're also innovating in other areas of produce. They've worked on um, developing seedless berries. Um, so seedless raspberries, seedless blackberries, and also pitless cherries. So gene editing and some of these newer technologies like CRISPR, utilizing that to change the way our food is grown, uh, to change the way our food is consumed, or to um, change the way our food lasts from a shelf life stability perspective. Gene editing, I think, is a really big opportunity within the category and one that we've seen a lot of advancement recently for, but one that we're very excited about on a go forward basis as well. The second one that I'd highlight that where we've seen a lot of innovation is ag biologicals. And, and so ag biologicals being really the, the way I depict it is a group of products derived from naturally occurring microorganisms or plant extracts or other organic matter. And 
utilizing that for a variety of purposes. Ag biologicals can improve the soil and environmental health um, out on the farm. Uh, they could battle weed and insect resistance to chemicals that have been developed um, for synthetic chemicals and a variety of other things, benefits that ag biologicals bring. A good example of a company in this space that I'd highlight is ATP Nutrition. ATP Nutrition is a Canadian-based company uh, that's developed a portfolio of, of biostimulant products and nutritional products. They're growing very rapidly because their customers, the farmer, are wanting to adopt more biostimulant, more biological practices on their farm for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. And that's just one of a number of companies that are doing some really innovative things out on the farm in the world of ag biologicals. Yeah, I've had the pleasure to witness a presentation by the Pairwise folks. It is really oh, sure. cool things, what they're doing. Yeah, Our team specifically in the last uh, 90 days have conducted a couple of biostimulant or biorational roles for a couple of crop companies. So appreciate that insight. Um, next question would be, what technological advancements are needed to help ensure adequate global demand for food, Scott? Yeah, there's one area I'll highlight that we have a thesis on here in our firm at Cascadia around where we want and need to see more technological advancement to help ensure adequate global food demand. Um, and that is robotics automation and artificial intelligence, particularly out in the field. So a really good example of this would be automated harvesting. When we are out on the farm talking with farmers, the number one, two, and three issues or challenges that we hear from farmers that they are having in their business is labor, labor, and labor, first and foremost. Number one, two, and three challenges consistently when we're talking with the farmer. And while in the ag tech sector broadly, I think there are some really neat technologies that have been developed, farm management software, vertical farming, supply chain software, other crop input technologies, they are all great, but many of them don't fully go to solve or address the number one, two, and three challenges we see farmers having, which again is labor, labor, labor. Um, and, and so we'd like to see more innovation in that sector and more advancements in that sector as we go forward. There are a number of really neat companies in the category doing this now. Uh, Carbon Robotics or Stout in precision weeding, uh, Smart Apply or Blue River are two great companies in precision spraying technologies. Uh, you have companies like Gus, Tortuga Ag Tech, Monarch Tractor in automated robotics. These are the types of companies that we think will be integral going forward to help address and alleviate this challenge that farmers are having of not enough labor and the rising costs of labor as we go forward. The challenge we've seen, so, so why haven't we seen, since this is so important to the farmer, why haven't we seen more investment in this sector relative to other sectors? In my opinion, it's a couple fold. One is it can take a long time to develop technology in this sector. We're not talking a matter of years, but five years, 10 years plus to really develop good technologies in this sector, especially on the automated harvesting side of the house. Um, and, and also hardware can be quite expensive, quite capital intensive and CapEx intensive. I think many venture capitalists or VC investors have been hesitant to 
fund more investments in this sector for those two reasons in particular. And so one of the things as a firm we're doing is we're spending a lot of time with family offices around the world with larger institutional investors, such as pension funds, endowment funds, asset managers, to educate them on this opportunity. These types of investors tend to have longer life cycles or time horizons in the way that they fund investments and a time horizon that I think is more conducive to going all in in this sector that can take a little bit longer than other VC type of sectors that, that get funded. So that's one area that we think needs to see more innovation, more capital going into it. And that's where we're spending our time in terms of trying to identify new investors that are long-term focused to bring capital to spur on that innovation. Great. Let's talk about talent a minute now. With yeah. the rapid pace of technological change, what are some talent gaps that are being exposed? Yeah, I see, good question, Eric. I see two major gaps being exposed, and they are the inverse of each other. So the first one is what I would characterize as technical expertise on the farm to really understand, implement, and drive technological change on the farm. We're seeing that happen at some of the larger farms that have the infrastructure to hire people to focus on technology and technological innovation. We're also seeing it more uh, widely adopted among the younger gen or the next gen, but there are many farms out there that aren't of the scale to have that role or do not have that next generation at the helm making these types of decisions. And so in those cases, there's what we found to be kind of a, a gap in talent that is really good at implementing technology on the farm and not just implementing it, but realizing the benefits of it. And so there are now, we've seen more companies being developed that help address and alleviate this. So one example that I would give is a company called Advanced Agrolytics. Advanced Agrolytics, what they do is they bring together industry veterans in precision agronomy, in geospatial data management, in product research, and in ag tech broadly. And they bring these industry experts together to partner with and advise farmers to interpret and utilize field data to influence yields out in the field. So put simply, they're bringing experts to leverage a variety of best practices in farming and technology to get the most out of the farm and out of the land. And I expect to see more broad and wide adoption of services like this and more companies helping to address that labor gap in that way. The second is what I'd characterize as the inverse of it. It's not enough farming knowledge at, at the technology level, at the technology company or the service provider. Um, what we hear from farmers time and time again is this is really neat tech, but we can tell it's been developed by someone who wasn't a farmer, someone who doesn't understand our business and the way technology needs to be addressed or adopted out in the field. Put differently, they've said, this may work well in an indoor environment or when you're in an R&D environment, but out on the field with a variety of different factors that emerge, it doesn't work that well. We feel like this company, Company X, doesn't understand our business. And so being able to find an individual with farming and agriculture expertise that can join and partner with the technology expertise at these tech companies, I think will be really integral and helpful to companies 
creating technology that can be more widely adopted by the farmer. Couldn't agree with you more there. Let's talk about evaluations. What are you seeing in terms of valuations in the sector right now, Scott? Yeah, so valuations across all sectors, put ag tech aside for a moment, um, across all sectors are coming down, especially in technology broadly. And it's due to a variety of factors, a variety of macro factors, interest rates being one of the very obvious ones. But within ag tech specifically, I think we've seen valuations come down as, as much as the rest of the market, if not more than most of the rest of the market. And I think a big reason is many companies have failed to meet anything close to the forecast that they put forth to investors when they were out raising money. And that lack of hitting forecasts and meeting milestones, when you come to the next time to raise money has really put softness and headwinds on valuations within the sector. Put differently, the ag tech sales cycle is very real and it takes a long time. And I think many investors have come into the sector not fully appreciating the ag tech sales cycle and how long it can take to have farmers really adopt your technology widely. So I'll give you an example. If I'm a farmer and I'm bringing a new biological product out onto my farm, I'm not going to put it on 100% of my farm in year one, because if it doesn't work, that can be catastrophic to the farmer. So what are they going to do? They'll put it maybe on two to 5% of their farm to test it out in year one. If it works, Maybe they, they put it on 10 or 15% in year two and 25% in year three and gradually roll it out. And that's after potentially years of education of the farmer of your product and getting them to even begin to test it out in the first place because there are a lot of competing technologies vying for farmer attention. And so this sales cycle, this elongated sales cycle relative to maybe other industries, I think has put some strain on some of these companies meeting forecasts that investors underwrote to and therefore put more downward pressure on the valuations in a market and in a cycle of valuations already declining. So the big, you know, splashy um, case study or scenario that that many people like to throw out right now is Indigo Ag. Indigo Ag raised um, over the years um, over a billion dollars. Ultimately, I think their last round was was roughly three and a half billion. They just earlier this month raised new capital. Their valuation was down 94% to 200 million, more than a fifth of, of the amount of capital that had been raised in the business. And so you know, that's a splashy thing that, that people like to tout that you know, they use as an example to be indicative of how valuations have dropped. While I think there's truth to it, it's indicative of a decline in valuations. I think Indigo Ag had some of their own company-specific challenges. The market is not down to that level. You know, I, I think if you look at average data and you don't parse through that data, uh, you can miss some very important themes. You know, the biggest theme I, I think could be depicted by the the fallacy of averages, right? There's there's an economist at Wells Fargo that I've listened to a few times, Dr. Swanson. Uh, he's given this example. In Fargo, North Dakota, it averages 43 degrees throughout the year. But if you dress to 43 degrees, you're going to be miserable nine months out of the year and dead the other three months out of the year because it's never 
43 degrees in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, the same is true, I think, if you look at ag tech data broadly. So many, many people are talking about valuations broadly being down 40 to 60 percent. Uh, but that's an average. And more, more practically speaking, what we are seeing is a flight to quality. That top quartile of company in the ag tech space, one that is innovating and commercializing profitably, that has met or exceeded their forecasts, that is demonstrating strong contribution margin, that is demonstrating strong repurchases among farmers. Those companies that are kind of that top quartile of business are seeing, frankly, decent valuations in this market in spite of a big average decline. It's that bottom 75% that has hair on it, that isn't perceived to be a market leader, that has missed forecasts, that isn't growing profitably, that are seeing greater than 40 to 50% declines that's bringing the average down. So you really need to parse through the data to see that that top quartile can raise money in this market still at good valuations. It may be down, but still at strong valuations relative to the average data that you may see. That's really awesome insight. Um, love it. Scott, what is um, one piece of technology that you couldn't go without in your daily activities? Yeah. So in my personal daily activity, I, I'm, I'm a bit old school. I really like to take notes and to write down. Um, but I always struggled in organizing my notes, keeping them organized, being able to recall. So I, I have my remarkable tablet that, that my wife got for me that I use to take notes and track notes and record back to or reference back to notes that I've taken. So I, I use my remarkable tablet on a daily basis for note taking and just love it. All right. Well, Scott, thank you again for joining us. This has been really good insight. Um, for our listeners, um, that you want to follow this podcast series or any other resources, you can find us at charlesaris.com. There's a resource page there where these podcasts will be. Our team could be reached. You can learn more about our, our ag team uh, as well. We have our own section on the website. Scott, if the listeners wanted to follow up or learn a little bit more about the team at Cascadia, where would you direct them? Absolutely. So our website is cascadiacapital.com. On our website, we have a tab of news and research. We publish a lot of research and news um, throughout the month and throughout the year. We specifically have a number of agribusiness and ag tech publications, so CascadiaCapital.com, and you can see a lot of our research in the news and research section of our website. Well, I get your your frequent newsletter. Really appreciates good in insightful information, so I would encourage listeners to see if they can get on the list of that that newsletter. Scott, thanks again. Uh, good luck to the Cascadia team. Appreciate what you do in the industry, and uh, we'll look to see you soon. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me on, and thank you for what you do in the industry as well. Take care.